Okay, we're ready to go here. Thank you all for your patience. Uh, hi, I'm Mark. I'm an abstinent compulsive overeater and food addict. Um, I appreciate those that have guided me in, Sue in, for inviting me to this meeting to share, and the and the, the moderator for uh, guiding me through in my little bit of a mix-up. I guess I'm human after all, right? <laughs> all right. So. Um, so as I said, I'm Mark. I'm an abstinent compulsive overeater and food addict, and I'm I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to be here with you all. Um, when I came into OA, um, April 18, 2007, I was 519 pounds. Um, I can't really tell you how much weight I've lost because, as part of my nutritionist at the beginning of that journey. I gave up that part. I gave up knowing how much I weighed. Now I weigh myself on a regular basis for doctors, my nutritionists, those people that need to know and know what to do with that number. But for me, what I have learned is that number had a lot of a lot of uh, weight to it. It had a lot of power to it, right? No pun intended on the weight part, right? Um, and and um, but I can say I, w I had a 78 inch waist at that point and I have a 36 inch waist now. So essentially, I just go in and try pants on. So that's kind of how I know. How I know. Other than that, I just don't get my head around it because, as I said, you know, I, I found that if you want to know how something, how much something has power over you, take it away. And I did not think that the scale, not knowing why I weigh, would be a big deal. And oh my gosh, I was desperate to know that when I first started. But as I worked that 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 tool, that piece that my nutritionist gave me on that. Basically, I let go and I got freedom around that. So, so this is my story, my own personal journey and recovery. So please take what you need and leave the rest. Um, I do, by the way, still have my extra skin, you know, get up to that weight. It doesn't just snap back. So I will mention that. I will also say that April 18, 2007 is my abstinence date. So I have been abstinent for more than 16 years, which is quite frankly a miracle to me. Right. I, I basically when I think back and I don't always think this, but I do when I'm kind of telling my story, which is the gift of me getting opportunity to tell my stories, I get to revisit that and see and see the recovery that I've had and to see where I was at. So I don't forget because I'm a self forgetter. But one of the reasons one of the things about it is, is that is that I have basically with my food plan and this is my food plan, I have eaten within probably a tenth of an ounce and weighing an item every day, every day for 16 years, I have eaten within that. And, and for me, that's phenomenal. Because, you know, people I've heard share, you know, that their portion size was ba box, bag and carton. And, and that's true for me, but I'm going to add another piece to it. It really was my portion size was whatever I could get my hands on. Right. You know, I intravenously essentially fed myself. I constantly fed myself. That that was in and, and what I was doing was I was feeding my fears. You know, I was numbing myself. You know, I was running away. I was escaping. You know, in, in, in Freedom from Bondage in the back of the big book, the, I love that story. You might hear me say a couple more things from that. Well you will, I'm sure. But one of the things that they say is I no long I no longer need to escape reality. That is what my recovery is now, right? And, and, and the work that I do every day, because I'm human and I'm not perfect, and the work I do every day is to bring me back to that. Coming and telling my story is bringing me back to that. It's bringing me back to God. 
it's bringing back to me back to loving myself instead of hating myself. It's bringing me back to my higher power into humility, right size, no greater than, no less than in all of my actions. And so, you know, um, if I look at what I was like, I mean, you know, I cannot remember a time that I was ever not a compulsive eater. But let me just actually add a little to that. I can't ever remember a time that I was not just compulsive in general, that I did not have what, and really this is the real phrase, that I did not have a God-sized hole and was trying to fill it up with anything I could get my hand on, whether it was, you know, validation from others or being seen or, or, or whether I measured up or whatever that was. You know, I, it was a God-sized hole. It was like a cup with no bottom, and I kept filling things in there. And I mean everything, food, money, you know, it, all of it. Like, you know, I always thought it's like, it's kind of, I was looking for safety, like, like to have the answer to, uh, you know, like, like what I, what I own, who I am, what I know, all of those pieces. And I was basically trying to fill that cup up with all that, but there was no bottom. I could have kept filling that every day. And it would never, I would never get filled. This program has brought me to God, and God is the bottom of that cup where I can be filled, right? Which are what I, what I was always meant to be. What would God have me be, right? And so, so you know, freedom from bondage again, you know, going back to my childhood, you know, I lived in a close family physically, but not emotionally. My father was, he was an alcoholic and he was just absent because he, he, at one time he was there and just little by little by little, he was lost in his addiction and, and he, he just went away out of my life for a, for a big chunks of time. Right. By the way, when he, you know, talk about a God sized hole, when he would come back, I would be all over him, all over him as soon as he stepped in that door, because I had that self-seeking going on where I needed his love, right? And, and so, again, going back to freedom from bondage, there's a part that says, I am the result of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child. That my drinking, and in my case, my eating, was a symptom of a deeper trouble. And those are so true for me, so true for me. And, and again, it's the way I reacted. Because, look, life was happening in front of me at that time of my life, there were things that happened that maybe should not have happened, but they just happened. And, and I'm the result of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child. And why that's really important is because what happened to me as a child happened. And if, that, if, if changing that was, was the thing that was going to fix me, I'm in deep trouble because I can't. It happened. And so this program allows me to kind of like do the work that I need to recover, to let that go, to take power away from it, to move forward, to be in God's world, because I set myself outside of God's world. Nobody else did that. You know, my mother was a compulsive overeater, you know. Um, she took me to my first pay and weigh when I was in ninth grade, ninth, uh, ninth grade of high school, and I weighed 200 pounds. And you know, I lost like 50 pounds and I thought everything was going to be okay. You know, I thought that was it. That was my problem because I had always had that God-sized hole that I didn't measure up. You know, I tend to think that fears fall into three different buckets. One, not getting what I want. Two, losing what I have. Three, being found out. 
every one of those fired off in my life. But being found out, that was the big one. That I was not worthy, that I didn't measure up, that I missed the mark, right? No pun intended, as my name is Mark. So, <laughs> but that's what I did. I missed the mark, the real true mark, right? And so, so, so having that part, you know, like, like when I lost that weight, I thought everything was going to be okay. And really life just happened in front of me. And when it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, that it was going to be, I don't know, I thought it was going to be some Shangri-La or something. I'm not really sure exactly. But when it didn't go that way, then I went to my faith that did not work, that dark passenger that basically, for me, what that meant was, see, it validated what I thought of myself, that I was not okay, right? And I remember at that time, I remember at that time, this was like 1979, I think, right? I remember saying, I would always be on the outside of life looking in. From that moment on, I shut down and I checked out. And I learned to live with crumbs that I gave myself. And that was not a lie that I was, that was not, that was, those were lies that I was telling myself. Those were not true. You know, I was living in the sphere suit, right? My weight that I had, that 519 pounds, 525 pounds was the highest I ever weighed myself in 1998. That weight that I had was a physical manifestation of how much fear I was in and what I was doing, what I would do, being lost as I was, to try and manage that fear. And I got, I shot off in a, a direction that was harming me. And I didn't even know it. You know, and so, so basically I checked out, checked out from that point, and I remember I almost made it my brand, that, that outside of life looking in, that I was always going to be a spectator, right, never a participant. You know, that I was some, you know, I'm in the design world, so like I'm some, like one of the great artists, you know, like, like Van Gogh, that basically I had to have suffering to be able to do anything. And with that suffering, I would produce greatness. That is not a way to live. That is not a valid uh, design for living. In this program, I have given, I have been given a design for living that works in rough going. Trust God, clean house, help others. I did not know that then. Or maybe I did know it, but the God that I believed in, right? I didn't help others. I didn't don't know the trust. I didn't really clean house, but the, I did have a God that I believed in. Faith is not truth. Uh, feelings are not evidence of truth. They're evidence of what I'm putting my faith in. To this day, I have to ask myself in this moment, where is my faith? Is it in my higher power or is it in the lies that I'm telling, about, telling myself about myself and the world around me? That was my faith. That was the faith that did not work. I was in charge of my life, you know, overconfidence of self, right? Right? I was in charge of my life for 42 years, and I didn't love myself. I didn't forgive myself. I didn't trust myself or even believe in myself. How do you think that's going to turn out? It was a foundational problem problem that was based on over-reliance on self. I think I said overconfidence before, but over-reliance on self. That's the way I was built. I built my life. So what happened, right? Well, what happened is I got the gift of desperation that away. 
you know, God pretty much told me, and by the way, I didn't listen. <laughs> Mark, I've got the hard way and the soft way to bring you closer to me. Which one do you want? Well, I'm stubborn. And I took the hard way, but it brought me here. I'm not saying it's a way to go, but that was my story. I guess I got here perfectly. You know, just like it says in step one of our book, we came to OA. And now that I did, now I get to recover, right? So, so I hit bottom, right? I hit bottom, you know, in 1998, I 525 pounds, but I just didn't listen to God at that time. Lost 375 pounds from May to December, went right back to my old ways. And not long after that, right? 2007, well, that was a pretty long time, but <laughs> um, I was up to like 400 and something and I was in a hospital. It was May 2006. I was in a hospital and three doctors were in front of me telling me if I didn't, if I didn't, if I didn't stop what I was doing to myself, I was going to die. You know, it's only on the brink that people find the will to change. And that was kind of my brink, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Because I remember in that moment telling myself I needed to be scared of what they were saying. And I was petrified, just not necessarily of the dying part. It shocked me that they would say that. But the big thing I was scared of is, number one, they saw. And these are not words I would say now, but these are the words I used then that they saw this ugly mess of a person who could not even take care of himself, this overweight, you know, person, right? You know, being found out. But the other one, and this is probably the bigger thing that I was like in the middle of that really was my fear, was what they were telling me I was going to need to do, was to give up my friend, food. I didn't know any other comfort, or I should say it was my main comfort, let's just say it that way, because I'm compulsive at heart. I have multiple programs. But the thing is, is like, I didn't know I, that what they were asking me to do, I could not fathom. And But they gave me a food plan and sent me on my way. And, and a month after that, and this is where I hit bottom, a month after that, this is where I surrendered. I was in a hotel room in Atlanta eating enough food for eight to 12 people until I couldn't walk. And I remember for the first time, and I always say it's the first time God talked to me, but I, I've since changed that to say it's the first time I listened. And I said, I can't do this by myself. And so that started me on the journey to come into these rooms, right? And on February 2007, I started the thing because I, I got a therapist. I didn't know any, I didn't really know how to get to you guys, right? Um, I didn't really even know you were really there, right? And so that 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 talk with the therapist, I said I needed to send myself somewhere. We sent me to a treatment center, but that treatment center, they brought me to OA. I was only there two and a half months. I'm still absent because of this program, not because of that. They gave me great things. I got a nutritionist. I got I got out of the toxic environment. I got some good help. But in reality, I am still here today, and I am recovering because of the work that I do every day. Without that, I would be lost. I was never meant to do this by myself. I came in my first meeting, not even knowing I'm going to the meeting until an hour before, which was perfect for me because I couldn't run. 
and there were 60 people in this meeting, this meeting in a hospital. And I remember them saying, are there any newcomers? And, and I said, yeah, hi, I'm Mark. And 60 people saying back to a person that lived in isolation, hi, Mark, that was healing. That was God talking again. And I remember also, you know, like if you'd have talked to me about God before I came in the program, I would have run the other way. I would have shut down and my defenses would have gone up. And I probably maybe when I say run the other way, I just wouldn't have heard anymore. Right. But I remember you guys walking through the steps because you're just talking. You know, it's the beauty of this program. You guys are talking and I'm just sitting there listening. You're not confronting me. You're not telling me anything. And I came in and you guys said a God of your understanding. And I remember saying to myself, I can do that. Again, I will say, first time, second time I heard God. No, second time I listened to God. So, you know, I started this program. You know, I started in this program. And the first thing that I worked on, the first thing that was put right in front of me, and I'm doing all of it at the same time. I'm doing these steps. I'm going to meeting, you know, but we must abstain from all foods and eating behaviors that cause us eating compulsively. And from that point on, I basically built, had a structure for absent eating laid in front of me that defined what, when, how, where, and how and I eat, right? I have freedom from self-abuse and obsession with food. I no longer use food to manage my feelings. I no longer starve or restrict or overeat in my case, binge purge or do other things to myself with food. You know, I've got nutrient fish nutrient-rich foods that work towards or maintain a healthy body weight, and I have the flexibility, flexibility to live a joyful, useful life without struggling around food. That is what my plan of eating is. I have got those red foods defined. For me, it's almost in a formula kind of a way, and it's very, and I can navigate. And I remember when I first got this, I remember God coming in the third time, to, and, and what I heard was, or me listening the third time, Focus on what you can have versus what you can't have. So I sought it. I worked it. I remember going deep into that food plan because that's all I had. And at that point, it was important. But here's the thing. It was really important for Plan of Eating for me at that time for someone else to give it to me and me to execute it because I was desperate. I was done. I did what they said when I came in. But here's the thing. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. I needed that to work on the physical part, part of this program because I was killing myself. But food is not my problem. Food is my answer. It just happened to be an answer that was killing me. The problem for me is powerlessness. The solution, a power greater than ourselves, a power greater than myself. How do I get that power? Through a program of action. Action is the magic word in this program. For me, it has always been that. Because that's when I recover. And I've had my moments where I broke out in the rash of self-will. That comes from freedom from bondage, by the way. My only problems now are when I ra break out in a rash of self-will. And I'm human. I've done that. But every, every night, you know, I come back to it through my 10th step. Right? And I try to make it a walking 10th step because if I wait to the end of the day, a lot of damage can be done, you know. And, you know, I, I, I got grieving when I first came in this program. I mean, I, listen, when you guys told me that this was a chronic disease, it really floored me. I had a hard time with that. But I came to believe in this program. Once I'm a pickle, I can't go back to being a cucumber. Right? That's done. Move on. 
I can be a beautiful cucumber, by the way, or a beautiful pickle, by the way. So <laughs> that's the work I'm doing, <laughs> right? So what am I like now, right? So, so you know, again, as I said, I, I came into the OA. I worked on the thing that was killing me first. I put the plug in the jug. That was the big part. Then I remember somebody giving me that four today wallet card thing. It was my program until I could get a program because it takes me a bit to get in the step. But I got a sponsor. I actually got two within the period of three months. I, 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 I had one in one place and then I got another three after that. And then I got another program later after that. So I got another sponsor and I was working the steps multiple. And that was huge for me because, again, I'm stubborn and I needed that effort, right, to cut through all the lies that I was telling me to myself. But step one, one of the biggest pieces in our book, it says we take an honest look at our lives. We are encouraged to take a good look at compulsive eating, ob obesity, obsession, or, uh, obsession with food and body image and the self-destructive things we have done to avoid obesity, the dieting, starving, over-exercising, or purging. And, and that was huge for me, that piece, like sitting down and writing it. Writing forces me into clarity. Step one is honesty clarity, honesty. Vagueness is a tool of my disease. Doing that piece for the first time in my life was hugely powerful, and I was taking power away from it every step I took in it. When I cried while writing it, when I cried when I, when I told it, I took power away from it. That was hugely important for me. Step two, you know, <laughs> this step two, you know, like I talked to you about faith, right? I had a faith. But it was a faith that did not work. And so I had to come, I had to, I had to get a faith, a, a, a power greater than myself and put that. And to me, that like, like the, big, the big book, this is one of those several lifelong conceptions I have to throw out the window. This whole thing of trying to figure things out and do it myself. This whole thing of a faith that didn't work, that was built on tyranny, not inspiration. There are two ways to lead, tyranny and inspiration. I led myself through tyranny, which is without – that is not what my higher power wanted for me, right? I think my way in the right action, but I can act my way in the right thinking. And by having that compass be this program, in a snapshot, it's like well, these 12 uh, concepts that we have, honesty, hope, faith, courage, and on, Right? Aligning myself to God every day and, and letting go, getting out of my way. Because I know what my way got me at 42 years of life, 519 pounds, my life falling apart all around me. And so then I moved into step three. You know, action for me, again, I'm going to say that I, I may have said this before if I didn't. Action is a concrete form of willingness, of surrender. Step three is about faith. But it's about me putting that faith, it's that, it's that keystone of sort of like, you know, turning my will and my life over to the care of a higher power. And, I, and I'm a visual person. So turning my will, it's like I take my hand and I flip it over. It's 180 degrees. It's going the opposite direction, which is huge for me. God loves me. I did not love myself. That's 180 degrees. And then I moved into step four, and it changed my life. And again, when I say step four, it's really because it's, the beginning of steps four through nine or four through 11. You know, sought through prayer and meditation is 11, but sought through really comes through every one of that stuff because I seek my recovery. I take it out for a test drive. God can move mountains, but I have to bring the shovel. And that courage of that step, right? You know, 
it really is this piece of where I'm learning to stay because I try to escape every time. I try to escape everything around me. And that's a lot of the reasons why I was doing step four because I was trying to run from everything. And I wasn't living in alignment with my, even my own core values. You know, this is part of that where I either get busy living or I get busy dying. And keeping doing step four and, and five and six and seven and eight and nine and 10 and 11, 12, doing these steps every day is me living. Because if I don't do those, it's me dying. Mark, you have two minutes left. Sorry for the uh, short message. No, that's perfect. That's, that does, that's perfect. Thank you so much for your service. Right? You, I can't coast uphill. Right? I coast downhill. So when I start coasting, right, I'm getting busy dying. You know, this, this step, step four, and all the way through 9, 10, 11, 12, they are essentially other steps around releasing the weight. It's just a different weight. It's all of those liabilities, all of those character, defect, dif those character defects that I type, like to call diminishments. Whenever I go to them, they diminish my life and they harm myself and others. Right? This is freedom from the bond of self so that I can better do thy will, not my will, because I've proven to me what my will is. But this step also brought me into, into a huge awakening was, that is, the world is not as hostile of a place as I thought it was. Trust God, clean house, help others. This is what I bring up in my life every day and do the best I can. And I get lost sometimes, but I just keep coming back. It's such an important thing. When I first came in, I remember hearing that, keep coming back. You know, and, I, and it stuck with me and I'm like, yes, don't leave the program. But it means so much more. Right. Keep coming back to this program. So I'll end on this one thing, and that is, this is not a program of figuring things out. It's a program of letting go. It is not a program of learning. It's a program of unlearning. Thank you so very much for, for allowing me this opportunity to share.